Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast, blah, blah, blah. That's what it says on my sheet here, so I actually just read it. Uh, my name is Nick Ferry, and I'm hanging out with a couple of my good friends, April Wilkerson. Hello, everyone. And Jay Bates. Hey, folks. Um, yeah, I guess we'll go right into breaking news. Um, I'm, I just want to first off say congratulations to April on hitting 200,000 YouTube subscribers. That's crazy. Ah, it's so crazy. <laughs> did you, did you expect that so quick? I mean, that's, I don't know. It's oh. crazy. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. It is crazy. Um, it, it's a really big number. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how fast it happens too. Like you don't. It's. I remember like meeting both of you guys, and I had like thirty thousand subscribers. Nick had a couple thousand, and you had, and you, you know, you maybe had ten or something like that. And all of our channels are real small. And man, it just flew by. Yeah, it did very quick. And thinking that it, I'm on um, years, like I guess this is my third year. Like it's just insane because it doesn't feel like it. Like it, it just goes right by very quickly. But I'm very, I'm very appreciative and thankful that I'm here, you know, and 200. I mean, gosh, that's just a huge number. That's a football stadium, a large, large, well, a couple football stadiums. Yeah. I was going to say it slightly. I think the Dallas, the, the Super Bowl held here at the Dallas theater. I think that was 176. So that's crazy. Yeah. I find Maybe it odd because our, our local, our, the Green Bay Packers, uh, after renovations this last round, I think we're a little bit bigger, but uh, UW-Madison, uh, University of Wisconsin, they actually had a larger um, seating capacity in their football stadium than, than, the, than the Packers did. I thought that was weird. Yeah, most hmm. of the college stadiums, like the big house in, in Ann Arbor for University of Michigan, that thing is, I mean, man, you can pack a lot of people in there. Way more tickets than what the Lions could ever pull in. But uh, that's another topic, I guess. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to hit on uh, the uh, woodworking show in Atlanta, Georgia, April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Coming up in less than a month now, both uh, both all of all of Jay, April, and myself, us three, plus a bunch of other content creators are going to be there in Atlanta, Georgia, April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. So if you guys are in the area or want to make the drive, uh, go to videowoodworkers.com for more information on that. And then also with that segment of shows, because um, they have a ton of shows, like probably like 15 shows, mostly predominantly west of the Mississippi, or sorry, east of the Mississippi. But um uh, I'm local to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's just a two-hour drive, so I'm going to be uh, going to the Milwaukee show, and uh, that's coming up in about two weeks. And let me actually uh, click on that real quick. Are you going to be the only only one there, Nick, or did you have somebody in your area joining you? Um, I, yeah, as of right now, I'm going to be the only one from the the booth there. Um, you know, nothing official or anything. I'm just going. I, I I've been to that show a few times, and it's a really uh, good show for me. It's just a it's the bigger show in Wisconsin, and uh, just a lot of uh, fun. You know, a lot of tool vendors. Uh, but pretty much the Atlanta show is going to be the same way. But um, you know, like Milwaukee, Dewalt, Makita, uh, Peach Tree is always there. Um, you know, Woodpecker and stuff like. You could just get to actually, you know, kind of have that tactile um, touch and feel with some of the cordless tools and some of the equipment. And it's a lot nicer than, um, you know, just looking through a catalog. But the Milwaukee show, I'm just going the Saturday and it'll be March 12th. And uh, I'm going to go in the afternoon. So sometime afternoon, if you see me and you, you guys want to head over to the Milwaukee show, come say hi. We can talk shop. 
Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. The um, Atlanta show, too. Aren't we having like a Saturday night uh, dinner or something like that after the show? Yep. We are. Yep. I, I didn't, uh, didn't get it on the website yet. In fact, I, I have the article written. Steve Carmichael lives in Atlanta, so he was checking out a couple places to actually hold that and just kind of a dinner and drinks um, meet and greet uh, type thing. And uh, so that should be fun. That'll be Saturday night, the, uh, the second. Okay. Yeah, and and now that we've done one of these shows, um, it was really cool, the, the last show, because people would actually show up and hang out all day. So people would show up and come and say hello, and then they'd walk around and, and view the other booths, and then they would come come back to the booth, our booth, uh, a few different times and just sit around and, like like Nick said, talk shop. So I really encourage you that if you're going to come, um, maybe plan on staying more than just a, a quick high and buy. Like uh, if you want to stick around for a few hours and that's, that just kind of adds to it and makes it fun. Definitely. And the, the woodworking shows, like I said, they're, they're pretty large, the show floor. Um, even if you don't stop by the video woodworkers booth, you, I, at least like me, I'm kind of a tool junkie, but I could easily put in six hours into just sitting at the show, looking at all the different booths and checking out all the different tools, talking to the vendors and stuff. So, uh, next up on uh, breaking news, April, I had just listed there, Germany. Do you care to explain <laughs> that at all? Uh, yeah, I'm actually, I'm preparing for my trip to Germany. It's going to be my first time going to Europe and, um, I'm really excited. I'm also very nervous though, and also stressed out just trying to get everything prepared for such a long trip. So I got uh, two projects filmed that I just have to edit and do everything on the back end of things. Um, I'm getting the house prepared for um, my mom coming to stay with my animals. And yeah, just mentally preparing myself for building something in front of an audience for the first time. That, that's pretty nerve wracking. How long is the uh, flying, or plane flight over there? I think it's eight or nine hours from here to London and then another few hours after London to go to Germany. And then I have a two hour layover in London. So I'm going to be on, a, on dealing like with the travel portion for a very long time. And I'm going to be leaving here in our late evening and then showing up there at like a little bit before noon. So I, I think what my, what my game plan is, is to stay up as late as I can, maybe even pull an all nighter the day that I leave so that hopefully I can sleep on the plane as much as possible so that as soon as I land, I'm not going to want to go to sleep immediately. So we'll see if that actually works. That's crazy. Are you going to have any like rest time before the, or is, is, is the event like the next day? No, I have uh, I believe the next day. And then the next day after that is whenever the event is, I, cool. I think. Cool. Jet lag. Oh man, that, that kills me. I couldn't imagine yeah, being in a plane then- for that long. Oh, I know. I was just thinking about that. Like I, I went to here to Florida and it was two and a half hours. And at the end of that, my back, my neck, my, my knees. And I was like, oh, so uncomfortable. So I'm thinking a full day in a plane. So we'll see how it goes. Typically, those are larger planes, though. I, at least I've heard. I've never been on a, a larger plane like that. So um, the plane I took from Atlanta to Jay's was like, man, they had, to, they, had, they had to feed the birds on the wings to make sure we got enough thrust, you know? <laughs> that was a little, little itty-bitty puddle jumper. Yeah, that was, that was fun. And uh, not everyone that likes to cram on those planes likes to shower and have good hygiene, which is, which is always a blast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay, what do you have going on? I've got a lot of stuff going on. I'm trying to get ahead for different reasons. I'm not going to Germany, but I'm still trying to get ahead. And um, last week... Uh, I knocked out two projects last week. One was the tool tote video, 
which was well received. I'm happy about that. And then also, uh, Sean Stone came over to the shop and uh, he had two salvaged furnace blower motors. So he gave me one and then we used one of his or or his rather to make a shop filtration unit. And it was one of those things that, um, of course, no plans or anything for it because it's completely specific to that size salvaged motor, you know? So we, uh, we knocked that out in in four or five hours and then, and played around cutting some handcuff dovetails before he left at like three o'clock in the morning. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, also, I, I love Sean. Yeah. Sean's a good guy. I'm actually road tripping with him, uh, to the Atlanta show. Oh, you're driving. Yeah, well, it's like four hours from here, so it's not that far. Oh, so good. I'm just, I'm just going to uh, uh, drive over to his place, drop my car off, and then I'm riding with him over there. And uh, we're getting a room together, saved a little bit of money, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'll have a chauffeur for the whole weekend, so, you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Um, but uh, the next day, so it was crazy last week, absolutely crazy. So the next day, I went down to Jackson, Mississippi, a place called Pickens Hardwood, and uh, picked up 61 and a quarter board foot of hickory, four quarter hickory. And I'm going to use it to make my wife's dining table that she's been wanting for a while. Cause I haven't made it in a while. Um, or been procrastinated rather, but, uh, so it's, it's been acclimating to the shop and I don't know when I will get the project started because I'm so indecisive on the style dining table. And, and just, I just, I only want to do this one time. And I don't want to mess it up because it's, you know, it's for the house and all that stuff. So uh, regardless, it's going to be a rather small size. Well, typically small size for a family dining table, uh, about 30 inches wide, uh, six feet long and no chairs, just two benches on either side that will go underneath the table. And I'm thinking about making a normal bench for one side with no back and then on the opposite side, making a kind of like a half booth at a restaurant or something like that, you know, um, just a, something with a back on it just to kind of get more interest in it, but not exactly sure. Kind of like a dinette type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Very cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I have a kitchen table on my list as well, but I I really want to go with kind of like the more square type. That's really tall. Like a bistro kind. Oh, what? Well, like, countertop height yeah 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 like yeah like a countertop height and it's not exactly square because my dining area is very small and so the table i currently have in there it's really hard to get all the way around the table so i just want to shorten it up and 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 make it higher we thought about doing that and that's what we actually looked at to purchase one probably about a year ago right when we moved into the house but the way our, our our living room our dining room and our kitchen area is all like this big open floor plan it just kind of flows through so we pretty much decided that if we use a tall table that we originally wanted to in the middle, which is where the dining area is, it it kind of blocks vision. Not necessarily blocks vision, but it's distracting because it's a tall item right in the middle of the two areas. So keeping a normal height dining table, I think, would be the best for us. But we originally wanted one just like that. Mm-hmm. The tall the tall ones are nice. We That's what we have. Uh, the only problem uh, that I saw with it was when you have kids, it's just um, when they get to that crawling stage and they want to crawl up into their chair, that's just further distance for them to fall to hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that because we don't have kids, of course, right now. Um, but I, I enjoy just walking up to a, a chair and sitting into it instead of 
uh, you know, going all the way down to a, a lower sitting chair. But I didn't even think about the kid aspect. Yeah, the only thing I would tell people if they're building a countertop height, um, you know, chair and dining set, is uh, to instead of having rungs to put your feet on, to have some sort of flat surface. Because a lot of times people like to put their feet up on the rungs. And even if you're just sitting there eating for 45 minutes, sometimes when you, you know, you're eating in the house, you don't have shoes on. And rungs are pretty uncomfortable on the feet. But that's one thing I noticed on ours. If, if you build that, if you end up building a dining uh, uh, table, April, do you think you'd build it out of oak or is that too smelly for you? Oh, way too smelly. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to be using oak again, just because I cannot stand the smell. I, this last project, I built some shaker style cabinet doors and uh, especially using the miter saw, the oak just puts off such a distinct smell and it's not one that I enjoy. That, so it's funny. I, well, the, what was it? The you know mid to late nineties was oak. Everything, everything had to be like a golden oak with like brass poles, which I'm, I'm glad that we're out of that, at least in my region, because I don't like working with oak, not because of the smell, but because of its kind of fibrous nature. And I tend to get a lot more slivers and splinters from oak than I ever would with maple. But I don't know. I actually kind of like the, the smell of oak. I don't think that, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like the smell of oak, too. I used to work at Ashley Furniture uh, in Ecker, Mississippi. They had a uh, the, or part of the plant is their frame mill where they make all the, the wood parts of the the sofa frames and stuff and it's it's such a distinct smell most of the stuff was mixed hardwoods and stuff but as soon as you walk into the frame mill plant it's the same oak you know smell i know exactly what you're talking about so i don't know if i'm used to it or whatever but it doesn't bother me at all some other hardwoods really bother me uh but i I was talking to nick earlier a couple days ago but that sapili top that i made for the uh that outdoor little table we we made that cabinet we made I can still walk up to the front porch and still smell the sapili. And it's been sitting outside for like what, three weeks now, four weeks, something like that. But I can still smell the sapili. Is it a good smell or? It's not necessarily good, not necessarily a bad smell. It's just the distinct smell. Like as I walk mm-hmm. by and it catches my attention and I instantly look at it because I know that, hey, whoa, that's that's sapili. I can smell it. And that yeah, kind of causing my sign i don't know if i I mean i don't have allergies but that sapili was definitely uh but i get that a a little bit with walnut too to where i I get a little congested and i want to sneeze a little bit but Hmm. um well i don't uh the only reason i went with oak over maple is um because my my local store had it but i read that both are pretty stable and that's why most of the cabinet doors are, are made from it so that's that's what made me venture out of my normal choice of wood and get into oak but yeah, it'll it'll probably be a good good time before I use oak again. <laughs> and with that oak, didn't you do resawing then for the first time? Oak? No. I thought I, thought I thought I saw on your Instagram that you said you were resawing for the first time. Oh no, I was resawing on the bandsaw for the first time. I, I've always done it on the table saw up to this point, just because it's what I learned on before I had a bandsaw and it's what I'm comfortable with. But no, so I started the week off actually making some doors, uh, some closet doors, and it, it was a complete bust. It's actually like the first project where I got myself into a corner to where I couldn't finish it, and I was really disappointed just because the the I was using the uh, OSB as the core, and then I picked up some select pine from the big box store for like the faces that you would actually see. And that's what I was resawing down. And I guess the moisture content was just too high. So whenever I resawed it, it just bowed very quickly. So whenever I tr- try to glue the front and back pieces together, it just, it wouldn't close all the way. And it just gave me way too much trouble. And 
so on Wednesday, I was like, okay, this is a bust. So Thursday morning, I had to wake up and start something new. And that's whenever I started my 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 vanity re- remake or makeover. Is that the first time you did the tongue and groove joinery on a table saw? Yeah. It's it's uh, it's 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 quick and easy, and it's it's not. Oh, that so quick. Yeah. I am so glad I did it because it um, it's just one of those things where I haven't done it before, so it. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but since it's not one of my normal processes, is it's difficult. Like, my brain doesn't automatically go there whenever I'm doing a project. But now that I've done that, I think that I'm going to utilize it a lot more because it was so quick, very accurate, and very easy to put together. And from what I heard, it's a very strong joint. Jay says it's quick and easy. If I recall correctly on that uh, jelly cabinet, you wanted to pocket hole screw those together. Well, that's even more quick and more easy. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, yeah, it's true, but I, I just like that. I that's my go-to uh, door style as well. And uh, whether you're doing it with uh, a dado stack, uh, oftentimes I don't even use a dado stack because just to cut those like kind of stub tenons on the ends, uh, I just whittle away at it. But uh, but no, that brings up a good point, April, to where you haven't done that before, so you never thought about that joinery before when building something. So that's a good reminder to people to where try something new and, you know, um, in practice, we'll get to that. But uh, if you try something new, it just expands your skill set. And that way, when you're thinking about stuff you want to build, make, design, whatever, your mind thinks about it differently. Like, oh, I, I can do a spline joint there. I can do a, a stub tenon joint there because, you know, that's in your wheelhouse. It's in your skill set. Yeah, it just broadens the options on what you're able to pilfer through in your mind whenever you're thinking, how am I going to complete this? And then you can go from there on picking picking out which route would be easiest and prettiest or whatever your your criteria is. Yeah, I completely agree. But sometimes it is, like especially working with a deadline, I, I find myself hesitating to take on something new just because I don't have the time to go through the learning curve and and sit there and think about, okay, how does this work? So that's why sometimes I, I like resawing on the table saw. It's what I know. So whenever I need to resaw, it's what I immediately want to go do. But this time I didn't, since I was using select pine, it was a little bit more expensive and I didn't want to waste more material. So that's what made me, okay, I'm going to take the time and learn how to resaw on the bandsaw. And that brings up a good point too, Jay. You'd, you'd put in here about practice kind of going out of order here, but uh, do you want to expand on what you were, you know, what you were talking about there? Yeah, well, that's like with anything, though, because the first time you do something, it may not be good. You get discouraged about it or whatever. And uh, there's a couple different ways that you can, you know, quote unquote, practice. Um, So, like, if you're learning, like, a new joinery technique, like for me, for I was trying to do hand-cut dovetails. Well, on this instance, physically or actually putting aside a little bit of time to do one practice or test joint a day for a month or two or whatever it is. It's not that much time once you, uh, once you get the repetition down. Um, but some aspects to where like that, particularly it does require practice to make it look halfway decent. Um, and, and, some people I noticed, like you do the first one and it's just like, it may turn out bad and you get discouraged not doing it. Well, with anything else, you got to practice in order to make it look halfway decent or make it look good or whatever. Uh, like, you know, instruments or sports or your job or whatever, all those require practice. You don't pick up a guitar the first time and start playing, you know, Stairway to Heaven. It takes practice. Well, I did, but... Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's great. Actually, build the staircase to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> Play it musically, but no, that that's uh, you actually bring up a good point there too. With um, you know, if maybe if it's at the end of your day and you're doing your normal fare that you normally would out in your shop, and you're just kind of winding down for the day, you know, take that one joint or that one technique that you've been wanting to learn, and just try it once at the end of the day to just kind of unwind, and you know, yeah, it's not going to turn out perfect. But, uh, you know, then try it again, you know, next week or the next weekend or, you know, the next time you're in the shop. And that's just practice, practice, practice. Because even, even those, uh, the door joint we were talking about with the rails and styles, getting them, the, the surfaces flush and getting the tenons to fit with a nice snug friction fit while not having to pound them together is a little bit of a, there's a learning curve there. You don't just pick it up immediately. So that's a. I agree. It's it's practice because I think before we started recording, Jay said, you know, a lot of people pick up the dovetails and they just, you know, oh, that turned out like crap. And then they give up. No, you got to, you got to, again and again, repetition and muscle memory. So mm-hmm. believe well, me, I think I've got a, the same. I was going to say, Go believe ahead, me, I've got a pile of really crappy dovetail joints sitting next to my workbench that doesn't <laughs> come overnight. Um, I was going to say, I think the same can be said for, for projects though. Um, doing a project that just absolutely felt like it kicked your butt. I mean, so great able to complete it, doing, doing it again, the next time will go a lot smoother. You'll be able to pick up things and think, oh yeah, doing this, this way will save me a lot of time or it would have been smarter to do it, do it this way. So yeah, practice is just always a good thing, no matter what you're into. I think one of those projects for me was picture frames. Because you figure, hey, four pieces, if it's a square, they're the same length, 45 degrees. How hard could it be? Yeah. For a beginning woodworker, you're like, man, how do these not match? How do they not line up? How come there's big gaps? How do I join them? So that's one of those where, you know, in picture frames, if you can knock out a picture frame in, in a half hour, they make awesome, awesome gifts, you know, impromptu, last minute handmade gifts. But that's another one of those things that seems simple, but it can, you know, it can take a little bit to learn and, and get used to. Mm-hmm. Jay, you had uh, what is it? Dust collection on planers, or does not? Does that not matter? Oh, would, it was actually mine. Oh, yeah, it was actually hers. Well, it, I have a I have a a planer, and I've tried to hook up um, the. Well, I've tried to use my dust dust right to suck up all the shavings, and also my Harbor Freight unit, and both get clogged within minutes. So I'm thinking, well, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? Um, what do, what do people use for their for their planer shavings? I use a, a Harbor Freight, just a, the cheap dust collector. Uh, when, when I do hook it up, a lot of times I'll just let it go on the floor and sweep it up. But um, if, if you don't have a fan-driven exhaust in your planer, you're going to want to have a four-inch dust collector hooked up because um, both mine, the rigid planer, and Jay's, the DeWalt, has a fan-driven so that it doesn't get clogged. But, um, yeah, that's a lot of chips, a lot of shavings, especially if you're doing wide boards. So... Um, you know, mine's just the cheap Harbor Freight one, but I know, I know Jay's got a little bit nicer of a setup. Yeah, I, I honestly have never had the problem with that because this is the, that DW seven thirty five planer that I have is the first planer that I've ever had. So that was one of the selling points for me. Is at the time I did not have a dust collector and it did have a fan chip ejection. So I, I don't, I. I don't know. I mean, I've never had any experience with anything that did not have the fan chip ejection. And I I probably wouldn't buy mine again because of the expense, but it does a really good job, and I've never had mine clog. What is, what is the fan chip? I mean, how do I know if I have one on my planner or not? 
Oh, you'll know. It's it's just a, it's a fan powered chip ejection. It blows the fan. It blows the chips. Um, oh, my, I mean, mine definitely spit out the backside of the planer and all over the floor. But what I'm saying is, like, I've tried to vacuum it up because I don't have something like a, an actual port. So I try to vacuum it up with both the dust right and the Harbor Freight, and both units got clogged within minutes. Yeah, a lot of times too with those bigger chips. I mean, if you're using, I mean, what is that a inch and um, two inch hose on the the dust right? No, I have four inch on both of them. Really? Mm-hmm. There's almost got to be some. What, what's it? You're just using regular hose, like coiled hose. Uh, the flex hose. It's a plastic flex hose. I'm lost. I would have to see the back of the planer to figure out what's going on. Okay. I'm guessing it's like the old deltas to where it's a narrow, almost like a trough that kind of, you know, it's not a circular exhaust port. It's more of like a a one inch high by maybe what, 10 inch wide exhaust. I mean, there's on the back of it, there's no distinction. I don't, I don't think, I mean, the chips just come out, just come flying out. So you probably don't even have a dust port at all. It's just. No, I would have to get an aftermarket one. And in order to, I guess, put on there. But uh, what I'm doing currently is just letting them fall over the floor and then try to suck them up with the with the with the DC. And I've tried both of them, and it's just frustrating. And so the DC's clogging up when you go to suck them off the floor. Yeah, both of them. Huh? Yeah, I'd almost have to say. I mean, I'm kind of an advocate for when you pipe dust collection that you pipe it with. Um, either you know metal pipe or PVC to where it's smooth on the inside, so you eliminate as much turbulence and as much restriction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm definitely no expert in airflow, but that's the only thing I could think of other than almost having to see the system. Mm. Yeah, the dust collector should be able to handle it though. I've I've never I, I can't think of a dust collector not being able to handle that. How long well, of a, how long of a run do you have from the dust collector to your planer? Um, well, I saw, I swept it into a pile, and it's probably seven feet, maybe. Well, but nothing. where it's getting clogged is on the fine baffle. Like it, 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 it sucks it up just fine, and it goes to the hose just fine. But the, it, then it clogs up right where I put the thine inside the baffle, where it swirls around, and just won't actually go into the to the baffle slot. Oh, uh, yeah, that was that was a big oh. So maybe you just on anchor- on the Harbor Freight unit on the dust right unit, it clogs up on on the the import where it has the grate. Yeah, yeah, hmm. I can see I can see that. But for the baffle though, just make the uh, make the slot a little bit larger. That won't cause me problems uh, hooking it up to my other units like my table saw and bandsaw. I mean, it shouldn't. I, did you follow the? Um, uh, well, I'm curious, how wide of a slot did you make it? Did you know? Do you know? If I forget now. It's been so long since I've yeah. since I've done it, but I, I followed the instructions on the Thine website. I, I mean, I would treat it as two different problems. I would, you know, the the dust right is a separate problem than the Thine baffle. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it Thine? That's how I've always heard it. I don't know. I mean, potato, potato. I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, All right, I'll, well, I'll look into it later on. I'd cut the slot a little bit larger because bottom line is not working right now. It's getting clogged. So if it's going to get clogged, then just make it a little bit larger. If you lose a little bit of efficiency. Well, it works great on everything else. I have a, a floor sweep other than planer shavings and a table saw and bandsaw, and it's working great. It's just whenever I try to suck up the planer shavings. 
Yeah, I've never made a theme baffle, but I'm I'm guessing, yeah, I would go with what Jay said, you know, make it a little bit larger. And I mean, it's not working now, so you can't break it anymore. I mean, it's working with the smaller chips, but maybe, and like I said, being I've never made a theme baffle, maybe it's just not meant for the larger, like, planer chips than, say, table saw is always, you know, dust and smaller shavings. I need to upgrade to a cyclone. Yes. <laughs> yes. that is on my list for this summer because that's the reason i don't use my dust collector enough is that it's not set up and even when i did have it set up i need a separator and i and i want to go with a cyclone i don't want to sit there and empty a a clear plastic bag that's heavy and then it spills or it gets a little little, you know cut in the bag and i'm just i'm done with that so i mean you still gotta empty a bag if you have the like emptying down into a can or something. All right, so you want to get a cyclone. Do you want to do like the the larger uh, aftermarket inline cyclones or do you want to get like an actual cyclone pre-built unit? I've been looking at the uh, the Clearview as a larger unit. I believe it's kind of a black uh, plastic. And I think that would get me through for the time being. I think if budget would allow something, um, a one built-in you know, unit, I think would be better because I think Harbor Freight really does overstate their, their flow and the horsepower and stuff on their, their stuff. Now, granted, it, it sucks the you know, chips just fine now, but I, uh, I think uh, an actual Cyclone unit would be a better in the long run for me. Yeah, they definitely do uh, exaggerate their, their ratings or whatever because I've got the Grizzly... Oh, I forget the number off the top of my head, but it's a Grizzly uh, Cyclone unit. And on paper, it's rated at less airflow, less power, and all that than the Harbor Freight unit. Now, I've never measured it with any type of measuring device other than just interacting with it. And I can tell you that, that it's like the Grizzly unit that I have is way, way stronger and moves a heck of a lot more air than the Harbor Freight one does. But that's not a knock on the Harbor Freight one as far as it being a good value. I, I mean, it's still a crazy awesome value for a, a dust collector, you know? Oh, I agree. Um, but my, my biggest gripe with the Harbor Freight as a one, like a single stage, or, you know, if you want to consider the bag a, another stage, but that bag is pretty much useless in my opinion. But just having an actual bag for collection if I utilize the Harbor Freight motor and everything, I still want like an on wheels, like 30 gallon, you know, drum that I can wheel out to the, you know, garage, out of the garage into the driveway and either put it in a mulch pile or put it in like a, a fire pit. Put it in a fire pit. That's it's awesome fire starter. <laughs> That's how I use mine. You had talked about uh, sharp chisels on one of your last tool talks and, and you'd brought up the... Um, footprint brand and you didn't like the footprint brand yeah i um i I, these were just cheap generic chisels to begin with i don't think it was like any nice uh, a nice line of the footprint brand there's an inexpensive brand of or inexpensive series of footprint chisels and chopping dovetails and pine again going back to my practice joints just chopping dovetails and pine after every joint the tip would be rolled over which is just aggravating. It's pine. It's not that. It's not that hard at all. And most of the time, it's just white pine. It wasn't even the like southern yellow pine that I normally use. So after sharpening and and well, removing the burr and then and then uh, sharpening the edge and all that stuff uh, over and over and over again, I, I was I was debating on getting a nicer set of chisels. And then several people just 
kind of at the same time. It's crazy how things come in waves, but several people just recommended just get a, get a, a little bit better inexpensive brand set of chisels and just use a leather strop to maintain the edge which is already starting to use a leather strop which i can't recommend enough it's just a piece of leather with some was it chromium oxide that that green stuff is that what it's called Um, well they they make different grits for it but yeah well i use the green stuff whatever i don't know um but it does a fantastic job at maintaining the edge so uh, i've also got a beater set of uh stanley chisels i bought at walmart like shoot 10 years ago it was a long time ago and i've uh, been throwing them around in my floorboard of my truck when i had my maintenance job didn't really care about them uh threw them in the back of a drawer until uh these others started to get a little frustrating i started sharpening the edges and i noticed that the edges uh on these old beat up stanleys lasted a long long time compared to the footprint so uh, I tried to find them again actually at walmart couldn't find them so i, I picked up a cobalt set at lowe's and uh, so far, they're holding up very, very well. I'm, I'm impressed with them. Well, I, I know with uh, the footprint ones, I just wanted to mention that you had a different style footprint chisel than I have. Mine has the gray and green handle. And uh, you would think, oh, what does the handle color mean any difference? But the, the footprint ones that I have, um, at least on Footprint's website, and I, and I think they're accurate because uh, they have those rated at like a 59, I believe, on the Rockwell hardness scale. Mm-hmm. And high-speed steel is like anything above, like I think a 60. And so it's, I mean, we're, we're right at it pretty much almost being high-speed steel. And those, the ones, the only problem with those footprint ones, though, it's harder than can be to find them online. I, I bought a couple of them years ago at uh, a local woodworking store, and I've tried to find them since on Amazon, and, and they're, they're always out of stock on them. But uh, um, those, are, those have served me real well, and they stay sharp really quite, quite a long time. And I, I've already turned stuff, um, you know, used them as turning tools on my drill press, and they stay pretty sharp for doing that too. But Using wood chisels, as, bench chisels as turning tools on the drill press. <laughs> exactly yeah and i had a bunch of people i shouldn't say a bunch like three or four on that video going oh you really shouldn't use that you know that's that's not high speed steel and i'm like it is pretty much high speed steel and as with anything in your shop if you're not comfortable with it don't do it i mean i see these guys in these red bull commercials jumping off mountains you ain't even gonna find me at the top of that damn thing so (laughs) (laughs) just because you see it being done doesn't mean you should go do it immediately you know that's great. That's hashtag funny. you should. <laughs> I've been getting a few comments with the hashtag you should, and it cracks me up every time. It is. Been, it's funny. I've been enjoying the uh, Instagram hashtagging. I feel I've like I've been completely out of the loop, and now I'm just like indulging. <laughs> I, love I really Instagram. enjoy the hashtags. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, Instagram's my favorite social media at at current. You know. Um, I just, you know, it's so easy. It's fun. You can show people behind the scenes stuff. And yeah, up until about a year and a half ago, I'd never even heard of a hashtag, which I, which I always <laughs> thought was funny because they get some of the younger generation. They're like, hey, if you can't, you know, if these didn't used to be smartphones, how come they had a hashtag back on this cell phone, you know, 10 years ago? <laughs> like, that's a pound sign. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's funny. So, yeah, Instagram with the hashtags. I like using Instagram, not necessarily. Well, obviously, it's it's business and you promote the business content and all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but 
I use hashtags just searching for what I find interesting. It is it's so it's it's such a great way to dial in what exactly you're looking for. I was looking at like when I was making this hand tool tote. Well, I was looking. Uh, I clicked on like hand tools, and then I found another hashtag with like tool chests, and I just went into this deep rabbit hole for like an hour of just amazing, amazing woodworking craftsmanship. And I'm like, this is so difficult to search like Facebook and 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 Pinterest these days. Half of Pinterest is advertisements. It seems like. Um, and inverting advertisements and a lot of Ted's work working on Pinterest, but uh, that's another story. Um, so Instagram, it's, it's a great personal tool for me to find entertainment as, or, you know, nice content exactly tailored to what I'm looking for. And it's fun to use just off the wall hashtags like cheez it's and I'm a ninja. <laughs> I'm a ninja. I'm going to have to use that one. Yeah. I really like the off the wall hashtag woodwork ninja. Woodworking yeah. ninja. <laughs> so I, I've noticed over the last couple months, maybe even a little bit longer, but uh, Jay's been getting into hand tools more and more and more. You care to uh, expand on that uh, on that journey? It's just it's fun. I'm enjoying the challenge. It's crazy because two years ago, hand cut dovetails. Ain't nobody got time for that. Are you kidding me? I mean, just buy a, a dovetail jig and set it up and be done with it, right? Um, no, but it's like I've previously said, I spend a lot, a lot of time sitting on my rear in front of a computer. It's all technology that I'm interacting with. So to go out in the shop and just grab a sharp object and start cutting away at something, it's therapeutic. It's, it's, it's just calming, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's fun and I'm enjoying it. And not only that, but, um, just like the whole practice topic, when you, when you start, when I started you know, cutting stuff, it's, I'm not good at it. And it's, I enjoy the challenge of like, okay, I know I can be good at this. I just need to put the time and effort into doing so. So I'm just, I'm sucked into the whole hand tool challenge fun. It's just, <laughs> it's just a blast right now. Cause you're, you're, you're pretty stubborn when it comes to, you have something and you're, and you're dead set on it. And I remember two years ago, you telling me, you're like, I'm never getting into hand tools. That is, I just don't have time for it. It's not efficient. That is not something I'm getting into. And I'm like, I, I have a feeling you'll change your mind eventually. Like most woodworkers do. And a short two years later, you're sitting here with all the, uh, with all the hand tools sitting there going, man, this is fun. It is fun. <laughs> I, and, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just making shavings. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Every time. I, oh, go ahead, April. Well, I was just going to say I am I am not quite there yet, but I can definitely see see how my taste and patience and enjoyment of things in the shop are have changed even from just a year ago to where I am I'm completely open-minded to where I'm going to be in it in a few years and what what I'm going to be enjoying at that point. Uh, but right now, hand-cut dovetails have no appeal to me. Dovetails in general have no appeal to me. But I am I, I I do believe that I will eventually get there, just like what you said most woodworkers do. Yeah, and I mean even like when I go camping, I have a couple little whittling knives that I bring with, and that's what I could do. I could do that for three four hours just. You know, grab a little uh, branch and uh, sit in front of the campfire and just whittle something out. And and by the time I'm done three hours of whittling, I typically just toss it right in the fire and then <laughs> go on with my life. <laughs> you should sell them. Regardless of, of, of what, uh, what, you know, hand cut joinery, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's a change. And that's the thing that, like, 
all of us, you do the same thing repeatedly and it just, it just gets boring. So trying something new, it's, it's, it's fun. I enjoy the challenge. It's exciting. Um, I know that's <laughs> that particular aspect of it is I'm finding out difficult to share with others because watching somebody else get excited about, you know, pushing a saw back and forth, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's not as, as fun to, uh, to show, I think, but. Oh, it's a very, it's a very, um, it's rewarding when it's tactile to where when you're holding that saw and it's a nice saw and you're cutting through the wood and it's straight and it's smooth and it's, you know, somebody watching, they just see, okay, this guy's, you know, sawing wood. But when you're doing it, you're actually enjoying it and realizing, man, this is actually kind of a fun practice. But um, as, as well, like you said, it's just a change. I completely agree because uh, we were talking last night about uh, a couple of gentlemen that we know that they turn pens for a living for a full-time wage and they're they're making anywhere from 100 to maybe 175 pens a day depending on the kits and wow yeah but i could not do that and i mean i applaud them for being able to but i always think you know because i always see in the newspaper well i shouldn't say newspaper but online around here <laughs> what's a newspaper <laughs> it's not like those things are made on you know grow on trees but um there are always ads for uh, cabinet shops, but it's all repetitive batch work, and I, I couldn't do that. So that's my woodworking is highly based on that, like trying something new, making a joint I haven't before, um, cutting a shape I've never done before, trying a different style of furniture, you know. Yeah, but I also, um, I, with that said, I, I encourage viewers of videos um, to, I don't know, let – let or not even viewer of videos, but if you have somebody maybe in your life that's getting into woodworking, try not to rush them too much or push them too hard into exploring new options like maybe hand hand cut dovetails or using hand tools. I would just let let them kind of like go along their own path and get into the things that they're interested in and move along at their own pace. Because like if somebody were to be in my shop just constantly telling me well, you should be doing dovetails, you should be doing dovetails. I would just get really like flustered and annoyed. And I get that a lot through commenters, them saying, "Why uh, get rid of the plywood, use some hardwood, or why don't you try this, or why don't you do it this way? And I just want to say, eh, let me just... Let me just enjoy it. I'm, I'm getting there, you know? Like, I can already see my, my taste and patience changing. Just let's, let's just see where I go from in a, in a few years. Oh, absolutely. Just, so, it's all about personal preference and, and just trying to have fun. That's all it is. Yeah. Just respond back. Hashtag you should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we been going here now? This has been a few minutes. Uh, yeah, it's been a quite a bit. Do we have any questions to answer? Um, yeah, Tracy was talking about, hey, guys, listen to the last podcast. Wanted to share a little gem that I stumbled upon. Um, you guys mentioned using cardboard uh, to, you know, uh, for underneath glue-ups on benches and uh, mentioned uh, stud finders at Costco. Um, and he was going at – he was at Costco, and they had cardboard that comes between the layers of products on pallets. And they, they give it to him for free because they just expect that they're going to have to pay to get rid of it. Some of the stuff he's been finding has been almost as thin as like um, – uh, grocery store, you know, paper bags, but some of the stuff is thicker, like um, almost like cereal box material. So if you guys have like Costco's or Sam's clubs or any of those bulk warehouse clubs near you, they might be willing to give you that. And he said that works great for patterns and just all just super useful to have around the shop. Very cool. That's a good tip. That's a good tip. 
All right. Well, uh, that's it for this episode. We appreciate you guys hanging around with us. And we want to remind you that there's a couple of different ways that you can stay up to date with the podcast and get notified of any new content, which as of right now is pretty much every other Friday. Uh, go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and at the top you'll find three clickable buttons to subscribe on Android, RSS, or on iTunes. And if you are an iTunes user, uh, go ahead and drop us a review. That would uh, help us out a lot. We very much appreciate it. And thanks to all those who have left reviews. That's uh, very kind of you. We do appreciate that. Uh, as always, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Later, folks. See ya.